Hey, food friends, and welcome to the Food Founders Podcast, your number one spot to get mentoring, guidance, and behind-the-scene learnings to help you understand what it really takes to launch, grow, and scale your packaged food or beverage business. On the show, you'll hear from food founders at various stages of growth, and you'll hear from me and my 14 years of packaged food and beverage experience. Each episode is packed with insights, inspiration, and learning to help you on your food business journey. I'm your host, Ainsley, and this is the Food Founders Podcast. Before we jump into today's show, I want to thank our sponsor, the Food Brands That Sell program. Food Brands That Sell is a six-week deep dive into the CPG industry and teaches you how to win within that industry by creating a brand that you, retailers, and consumers love. Here's what a recent alumni had to say about the program. I am so grateful that I chose to do Food Brands That Sell. I learned so much about myself, my journey, and my company. These six weeks changed how I'm doing my business, and I can see the difference already. I no longer feel alone. If you aren't already on the waitlist, hop on over to foodbrandsthatsellwaitlist.com or grab the link below to make sure that you are first to know when the program is accepting new students. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Hey, food friends, and welcome to the Food Founders Podcast. Today, I'm so excited to have the founder of The Bitter Housewife on the show. We've got Genevieve Brazelton. Genevieve, thanks for joining us on the Food Founders Podcast. Of course. Happy to be here this morning, Ainsley. Genevieve, talk to me about The Bitter Housewife. What is this all about? We are about bitterly honest beverages. You know, lots of puns in our world with bitter. You got to do it. (laughs) But we make both uh, cocktail bitters for all the Manhattan and old-fashioned and just general cocktail fans out there. And then we also make a zero alcohol, zero sugar canned bitters and soda that drinks a lot like a cocktail replacement is also just a really nice kind of refreshing beverage, either instead of a drink or in between drinks, Mm. as people are just kind of drinking a little less these days. So, And what came first between the two, like the bitters or the non-alcoholic canned version that you have, or did they both launch at the same time? No, the bitters definitely came first. We've been making our bitters since, well, we actually started in 2012, but we weren't like a real business on shelves until late 2014. And then the bitters and soda we launched actually in the fall of 2019. So our timing was not awesome given world events, but you know, we got, we got it out there at least first, as opposed to launching in 2020. So (laughs) yeah, exactly. You got like a little bit of runway and then, you know, everyone was locked in their home. So they did needed something to drink. And actually you have two great products that can help people for people who were maybe drinking a little bit more. And we're seeing such a big movement towards people who are not drinking as much alcohol anymore as well. So you need product for both. Yes, definitely. And we have, we have certainly seen our direct sales increase. So that, you know, some good things came out of, of, of the pandemic. (laughs) 
So talk to me, you mentioned before, so you had, or 2012, you had um, the bitters and then you mentioned uh, 2014, we started to like really like get it going a little bit more. Mm-hmm. What what did that look like in between that period? Was there anything that really shifted to get you guys in 2014 to being on shelves more, growing a little bit more? What happened in those two years? I'm sure a heck of a lot. Yeah, yeah. I think the biggest shift was was really just personal, us deciding to make that commitment to it. You know, when we first quote unquote launched in 2012, we had an idea. And we were researching, you know, is the name taken? What does it what does it even mean to have a bidder's business? What kind of licensing do we need? All that kind of stuff, you know. And I was making product in our kitchen and, you know, either giving or selling to friends and family, you know, for holiday gifts and that kind of stuff. So by early 2014, actually, no, it was late, it was late 2013, we decided to move to Portland from the Bay Area. And we moved without jobs, feeling fairly confident that we could find them. But it did end up taking a little bit longer than we anticipated. So in the meantime, we were keeping ourselves busy by really fleshing out this idea. And it turns out Portland is such an awesome community of food businesses that, you know, it really just seemed natural that this was this was the better place to do it too. You know, it seemed much more feasible in Portland than it did in the Bay Area. It was it was scary. <laughs> you know, looking at rents for kitchen space and all that and going, I don't know if we really want to do this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like where you are makes such a huge difference. And I just heard the best things about Portland, like the community and and the city as a whole. Yes, definitely. We just started talking to people and, you know, we talked to a lot of distillers in the beginning and everybody was just so eager to help and offer their advice and offer their experience that we, you know, I think it was suddenly we kind of found ourselves literally with this first order for the local grocery chain, New Seasons Market. Uh, and, and at the time, like I say it now and I'm like, why did that stress us out? But, you know, it was 13 cases of product and it was like this big deal and, and we were going into grocery and, you know, it was amazing and hard. And I also had a two month old at the time, which is (laughs) part of it, but yeah, it just, you know, that was how we launched. We didn't launch at farmer's markets or, you know, small events like that. We launched on the shelves of new seasons market, which was that was also a friend. She was actually the in the floral department, but mm-hmm. she sat next to the guy who did the local finds, you know, who found all the new fun food products. And she's just put a bottle on his desk and said, you should check this out. <laughs> Amazing. Oh my gosh. Okay. Great friend. Great friend. Yes. Oh yes. <laughs> but it goes to show the power of community and connection in this industry, in any industry. And and I always say that we are so blessed in the food and beverage industry. Everyone is so willing to help each other and really help businesses kind of learn from each other's mistakes. That's honestly like the rationale behind this podcast. Like how can we help people learn from other people's steps forward? And, you know, that is so so needed in this industry. And it's like people like you sharing your journey can help others be like, okay, this is how we can potentially grow, grow faster, go further and learn from mistakes other people have made. 
Oh, totally. And now there is a lot more people doing not exactly the same thing as us, but similar, especially with the the canned carbonated beverage. And we are definitely helping out. You know, we even for a while kind of thought about, do we want to set up a little kind of incubator, beverage incubator space, you know, because it's it's so much fun. And, and I love talking to people about it. And I, and I don't feel like there's anything that we learned that should be secret. You know, it's, we should, because it just helps everybody go a little bit further. Absolutely. And it gets the whole industry into a better spot for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, okay. 2014, we start to, we're in Portland. We start to get on to some shelves did you guys end up getting jobs or were you like, no, we're going, we're going all in on this? <laughs> My husband did. Okay. Uh, he got a contract gig that did give him some flexibility. And I ended up just doing a bunch of freelance stuff. Cool. He went full time in the business about a year later. And it took me probably about a year and a half before I was full time. But with the freelance, I was, you know, it was a lot more flexible for me. So yeah, it wasn't too long into it where we're like, all right, we, we have something here and I think we have enough revenue to pay ourselves question mark, (laughs) but (laughs) kind of, well, you guys have definitely proven yourselves right (laughs) so far. Yes. So far. So talk to me about the launch of, of the, your canned product. What led to that and how long was that process to really bring that to market? It's actually an idea that we kind of had from the beginning, but it was, it just, you know, it was like, I don't know that anybody's going to get it. We didn't really know what it would look like, but there was something about either a canned or a bottled sparkling beverage that was really attractive. And we were really just watching the trends. And we had actually been playing around with for a while, launching a canned cocktail, a wine-based, not alcohol-based, but still, you know, like a spritzer type of thing. And we got, you know, we had a recipe developed and we were talking to people about investment and we just couldn't, we couldn't get enough because it just takes such a, so much of a, more of a lift. You got to buy cans. You got to produce, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of cases right out of the gate before anybody gets a chance to even taste it. And that was a, that was just really hard for us. So, you know, that kind of was there simmering and then, then watching also the trends of dry January, sober October, people just taking a break for keto or whole 30. I'm like, you know what? maybe we should go in a different direction. And the bitters and soda, while also a really big lift was just felt more natural. It didn't feel like a, it didn't feel like a branch of the business. It felt like an extension of what we were already doing. And I think, you know, we were a little maybe on the, you know, crest of the wave. And it's like, I think we're, we're riding it, but it's, there's a lot of education still involved we're still an odd, weird product that, you know, people don't quite get, but I'm used to that with bitters too. But there's a lot of our customers that keep coming back to us just saying, thank you. There was nothing else like this. And we are so happy you made it. And I can't wait to try more flavors. So that's awesome feedback. We keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And love that you really like, we're just staying on top of the trend, seeing what's going on and 
really waited also for something that just really clicked and like made sense. Like it felt like with this, you were like, this just feels right. And like, is it like an extension of the brand, which I mean, really helps both products um, yeah. that you have yeah. as a whole. So that, that definitely, definitely played out for you guys. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, it was even our customers to an extent and that we would, you know, we drink bitters and soda all the time. And we would do a lot of a customer facing events where we're sampling and talking to people. And we also kept hearing from them that they were buying our bitters just for bitters and soda. Mm. You know, I remember a few different women, I kind of mush all the stories together, but telling me that they either had, you know, a couple bottles on their desk at work or stashed in their purse. And because they, they were just drinking bitters and soda and they wanted to have that option. And it's like, okay, this is a big chunk of our customer base is already drinking it. We don't have to educate them on what it is. So, yeah. That's awesome. You listen to your customers and they basically like helped you go down that pathway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And how are people getting to know about your products right now? Like where, where are you acquiring uh, customers from? Right now, I think some of it is coming from word of mouth, you know, customer sharing. Um, that is more the benefit of the canned beverage. You know, you got six or 12 of them in the refrigerator and you can easily hand it to somebody. We are also, you know, active on social media and we do some paid advertising on social. We were doing a lot of demos, but that has not picked back up again. Although I I hear rumblings that that is starting, starting. And that's, you know, that is the main thing. Uh, I think events are great and it's, and it's a bummer that we couldn't do that. So we had to kind of think of how do we reach new customers? So really the bulk of it has been social advertising. Right, right. That makes a lot of sense. And, and I would imagine once people try something like this, they're fully on board. And in the meantime, it's just getting that word out with people. And I mean, you have a product, like when I see this, like I get it. And I understand what you're saying where some people are like, I don't necessarily get it, but the people who are already doing it, like they get it right away. And they're like, oh my goodness, thank goodness. Someone has yeah. kind of put this together. Cause I have it. I mean, you would know way better. I haven't seen any other bitters and just soda. There's lots of non-alcoholic offerings coming up right now, but none really with that proposition, probably realistically a behavior that a lot of people are already doing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, we've got that crew, although, you know, we do get a lot of folks being like, but it's so easy to make. Why would you bother? You know, it's like, well, yeah, but a can of soda or a bottle of soda and a bottle of bitters taking it with you. That's kind of hard. You look really odd trying to do that in the park, <laughs> you know? Yeah. People are like, yeah, sure. That's just bitters on your desk. What else do you have <laughs> there? <laughs> exactly. But it's, I mean, but I think it is just having that craft made non-alcoholic beverage as an option, something you can grab out of the fridge, especially if you have people over. I mean, and what we're finding is that most of our customers are people who do drink on occasion. Mm-hmm. And what they love is now they have another choice that doesn't have alcohol. Right. Most of them are not soda drinkers and they're not even really mocktail drinkers because they don't like the sugar. And, and ours has no sweetness whatsoever. So it fits a a really niche profile taste. We're actually replacing water for a lot of people, Mm. which is a really hard thing to market, (laughs) but 
it is, you know, that's what we found is it's like, now you, now you have another choice and you have a great beverage that you don't, there's no guilt involved in it. There's nothing bad in it. It is all real ingredients, absolutely no calories, no alcohol. Yeah. And it's, and it's much more enjoyable than water unless you're just really thirsty. You know. I'm with you. You know, I love water, but sometimes you just want something fun. Sometimes you want to have like a fun beverage that tastes good, that doesn't have alcohol and having options for that just makes life a little bit more enjoyable. You know, you don't like, it's really easy for someone else to just crack open a beer or have a glass of wine. But if you're trying not to drink or you just, you know, don't want to drink that evening, then then this is a really great replacement for that. Definitely. Yep. And you guys recently went through a crowdfunding campaign, correct? We did. It was for equity. So it's Start Engine was the platform that we used versus like a Kickstarter where you're kind of pre-selling product. And talk to me about that entire process, um, especially yeah. for like equity crowdfunding. Yeah, it's really interesting. And, you know, I'm, I still have mixed feelings about it. It is a lot of work like a Kickstarter. And I think you, even if you know, going in, it's a lot of work, it's a lot of work <laughs> once you're in it too. You're like, oh yeah, I forgot already. But it's the thing that was most awesome about it for us is that when we launched the campaign right out of the gate, you know, we told our customer base that we were doing this and we had at least half, if not two thirds of our initial investments. And at least at this point, I think half of the investments that we got were all customers. I recognized the names, you know, these are people that I ship cases to, you know, once a month, every couple of weeks. And it's like, I knew them. And they're putting in $500, $1,000, $2,500 into this, you know, because they love what we're doing and they believe that, you know, we can go further. That is awesome. And that gives you a lot of, you know, kind of motivation to, to keep it going. I mean, we've never been afraid of giving away equity of the company. And I think, you know, it is, it is a little weird now that we have instead of like maybe five or 10 investors, we've got over a hundred investors that we, you know, but there, we send out lots more emails. I mean, it's almost like going public in a way in that then you want to kind of have these monthly updates and keep everybody, you know, up to date on what's going on. But I think it also helps keep us a little bit more accountable and think about what we're doing and how we're measuring our goals and, and also makes you reflect on the successes too. You know, I don't stop every month generally and go, what did we do last month that I want to share? You know, so that part's awesome, but it's still, you know, it takes, it takes all the marketing of the Kickstarter. You got to be ready with the assets and you've got to be writing emails at least once a week, if not more telling people about it. I mean, I still saw some of our, our diehard customers. We ran the campaign for three or four months came in at the last week. You know, they've been hearing about it for four months and <laughs> they still came in at the last week, you know? <laughs> it's like, okay, come on. <laughs> but Thank all in all- last you, moment there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, all in all, it was, it was successful. We didn't end up raising as much on Start Engine as we had hoped, but because we were in that fundraising you know, arena and we were talking to other people and we, we did get the ultimate goal that we wanted. So we're now we're tackling all the goals with that added, uh, added investment. So 
Amazing. Congratulations yeah. on the successful uh, crowdfunding campaign. And like, it, yeah. it seems really interesting that you have, it's made you reflect differently in terms of the business. And it, it almost like brings you to a different level. You know what I mean? You've got all these investors now, like you're being forced in some ways to like operate at a different level, which is mm-hmm. always a good thing. I think so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it never hurts to have more people accountable to you. And I think people too, that you know, it's not an investor who's dangling the carrot of a bunch of money. It's it's somebody who's bought my product over and over again that just wants to know how we're doing. Mm. And that's a that like that I feel almost more accountable to that than right. you know. So and yeah, that, I, I think it's great. That brand advocacy that you now have with those people, like right. they already loved your brand. They were already buying it, they already were sold, but now they are, you know, they were hawking it out at events. <laughs> they really are now. They are bringing it to every party. They are going all in to help yeah. you be as successful oh, yeah. as possible, which is incredible. Yeah. Cause, cause our success is ultimately their success, you know? And I think that's, you know, that is also when you look at any of these crowdfunding campaigns, whether you do equity or not, that if you look at it as marketing on top of whatever that chunk of cash you get at the end, then I think you really can't lose. And that's how we did go into it. We're like, what's the worst thing that happens? We don't raise as much as we want, but we've still reached out to a bunch of new people. We've leveled up how we're talking about the company and we've got some new assets out there. And, you know, and so that, you know, that we definitely did. And then some. So what is on the roadmap now that you have this additional revenue in the business from the um, crowdfunding? Uh, What's on the roadmap coming up for you guys? We are looking, we're working on more flavors of the bitters and soda and a few more flavors of bitters. We haven't abandoned that yet or ever. We won't probably. (laughs) I shouldn't say yet. And we are, our biggest goals is really sales and marketing. We're just trying to reach more and more people who are interested in, in what we're selling, really get our sales program dialed in in the Pacific Northwest so that then we can move into other regions with more confidence, really understanding who we're reaching out to and how. So we do hope next year to, to add on at least one or two more regions, probably on the, the east side of the world. Yeah. And then marketing, just, you know, content. Mm. pictures and talking more about bitters and why bitters and soda and, and who we are. I mean, Mm. that was actually one of the, the biggest things that came out of the start engine campaign was realizing actually how few people really knew that me and my husband were behind the brand, you Mm. know, and that we were a team of five people, Right. you know, like you, you get so wrapped up in and you've told the story a bunch of times, everybody must know. And then we all try to look bigger than we are. And apparently we were doing a decent job because a lot of people are still absolutely shocked that my husband and I stand behind the tables at events and sell you bitters. And we are the ones who answer the, you know, complaint emails that come in. And (laughs) so, yeah. (laughs) That's so, that's so great to put like your, 
names and your faces behind the business even more with these people because people clearly yeah. love the product. They love what you guys are doing. And then now being able to connect more with you and and just recognize like, hey, these are real people just yeah. like us behind this. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. That's really powerful. Definitely really, really powerful. I think so. I mean, and then it's like, even if you don't necessarily love every product we put out, you still have that warm, fuzzy feeling about the brand and what we're doing. So, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. I have to ask. Yes. What's your favorite cocktail? (laughs) (laughs) It's an old fashioned. I am an old fashioned girl. Yes. (laughs) That's what started it all. I had to make perfect bitters for an old fashioned. So that's our, our old fashioned aromatic bitters. Amazing. Amazing. Although the orange and the cardamom also make really awesome uh, old fashions too. Oh, nice. Okay, I'm going to need to get my hands on these. They sound incredible and definitely make some great beverages for sure. If people are interested in picking up some of your products, which I'm sure people are dying to after listening to this, they're like, oh my gosh, I got to get my hands on this. Mm-hmm. Where can they find you right now? They can find us online at thebitterhousewife.com and we sell everything and ship it all across the country. And then if you are in the Pacific Northwest, um, check out all the new seasons in Market of Choice. They sell both our bitters and our bitters and soda. And then we are in select specialty stores across the country. So we have a pretty decent store finder. Put in your address and hopefully we've got something near you too. Amazing. Genevieve, thank you so much for sharing your journey and for really giving inspiration to a lot of different food founders out there in terms of what is possible when you, you know, believe in the product that you have and that you are keeping an eye on what's happening with the trends and launching with confidence a product that aligns to you guys and also what's happening in the market. So thanks for sharing your journey and for everything that you're doing. Of course. Thanks for having me on and letting me babble a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Loved it. And I can't wait to get my hands on it. I'm serious. I want to make myself a mean old fashioned. <laughs> Yay. That's it for this week, food friend. Thanks for tuning in. If the show helped you in any way, please go ahead and leave a rating or review of the show below. I also want to thank our sponsor one more time, the Food Brands That Sell program, the program to transform how you navigate the CPG industry and ultimately sets you up for success within it. Go ahead and get yourself on the waitlist using the link below, or you can put yourself on the waitlist at foodbrandsthatsellwaitlist.com. Catch you next time, food friend.